0: We're going to be in Psalm 90 today, okay? So if you're using uh, one of the chair Bibles, page 496 will get you right there. And I want to ask you a question while you're getting there. Have you ever lamented? It's a like fancier word, a word that not a lot of people use often. Have you ever lamented? Now, no, I'm not talking about Pastor Scott and Pastor Lee Lamenting the fact that Coach Nick Saban is no longer the coach of Alabama. It's not what I'm talking about. And I'm not talking about like the lament that you have that the cold weather is here and the warm weather is officially gone for a time. I mean, have you ever truly, deeply lamented? A lament that's birthed out of deep grief and sorrow. And maybe the depression and isolation that you just can't escape from. Or from the unending demands of life and work and the constant unyielding stress to perform and provide over and over, day in, day out, and it just doesn't end. Maybe a lament that's rooted in tragic loss, tremendous heartbreak, at the loss of a child or a loved one far too soon. Or, or the divorce that's just ravaged your life and completely shattered your heart. Maybe a lament that just bubbles up out of confusion and doubt and disgust. At a medical diagnosis, it just comes out of nowhere and knocks the socks off of Or the fact that you just spent the whole holidays and not one of your family get along. See, the chances, church, are very high that we've all lamented at some point. That we've all lamented at some point in our lives. And if we haven't, church, there is a 100% certainty that we will. but please listen carefully. It's not a matter of when we will lament because we all will. And it's not really a matter of why, right? We we all lament why. Because we want to process, we want to get through, we want to get past this deep pain, this suffering, this loss that we've experienced in this fallen world. But what really matters is the how. You see, how we lament matters immensely. Because how we lament will dictate whether we're, whether we're demonstrating biblical lament or worldly lament. See, both start off in completely different spots. And they set off in completely different directions. And get this, no shocker here, they land in completely different spots. See, worldly lament leads to anger and bitterness. And it's rooted in this distrust, this unfamiliarity with God, his character, and his promises. Biblical lament, however, leads to a deeper trust and joy rooted in confidence in God, his character, and his promises. See, one condemns God. The other praises God. Today's passage is a psalm of lament, and it's written by Moses. And in fact, it's the only psalm in the book of Psalms that is written by Moses. And it's a beautiful psalm of lament, and it teaches us how to lament biblically. For out of our lament, we find the path to joy. So if you're willing and able, I want to invite you in honor of reading God's glorious word, to stand. It's, It's a long one, so do your calisthenics real quick. Psalm 90. A prayer of Moses, the man of God. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. This is the holy word of God. You may be seated. So today I I want us to look at how to biblically lament against this backdrop and example that Moses sets for us. And how through lament we find the path to joy. See, the path to joy involves this. It involves a perspective. It involves a problem, a plea, a petition, and a praise. It's a long psalm. I promise we will get through it. There will be an end. I promise. So let's look at how the path to joy involves a perspective. Now, maybe you've heard it said that to gain perspective, you need what? Context, right? Maybe I just made it up because all of y'all are looking at me. I don't uh, know. Sounded good. Made sense to me. To gain perspective, you need context. And, and, and the context of this lament that Moses wrote was set in the wilderness wandering of the Israelites. Remember that history? That history of Moses and God's people having to wander around because of their lack of faith and trust in God? Their lack in faith in trusting God to deliver them to the promised land that he had promised them to defeat those giants in Canaan. They just didn't trust him. That history where God was with them from deliverance out of slavery in Egypt to miraculous safety and protection in the exodus to the glorious provision as he provided them food and water as they wandered. Despite their constant complaints and ultimate lack of trust in God to deliver them. And as a result, God said that neither Moses nor any of the generation that was brought out of Egypt would set foot in the promised land. And he made them wander for 40 years until all of the Israelites who did not trust God passed away, died. If you were of the generation brought out of Egypt, you were wandering until your death. And with this bit of context, we find this beautiful song of lament that Moses wrote to God. And it's in the first two verses, church, where we find the perspective in lament. The perspective. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. See, by addressing God as Lord, Moses is already claiming and confidently taking the position of servant. He's taking the perspective of servant, of God. So he's already setting the tone, setting the perspective in this lament in just the first two words of this psalm. By acknowledging God as Lord, as King, Ruler, and Moses as his humble servant. Moses then confidently claims God as, quote, their dwelling place. The dwelling place of the Israelites. Sure, Moses is alluding to how God uh, dwelled with them, not just in the tents of meeting, but also as a pillar of cloud and a pillar of smoke and fire, right? Day and night, God was with them. But more importantly, Moses is calling God their dwelling place because of the perspective in his lament. Notice, Moses is not calling God a refuge. Rather, he calls God their dwelling place. Why? Because there's a big difference between a refuge and a dwelling place. A refuge is something you go to for safety, protection. As soon as trouble comes, you go to a refuge to escape, to withstand the trouble that's coming your way. But what happens as soon as the trouble passes? You leave the refuge. It temporarily functioned as needed. But that's just the thing about a refuge. It's temporary. It's only while the trouble lasts. But a dwelling place. What do you do in a dwelling place? You live. In both good times and bad. And it's lasting. So Moses' perspective is that God is always with his people in good times and bad, in triumph and deliverance, in confusion and hardships, in walking through that Red Sea to wandering till your death. God is with them. God is their dwelling place, is with them no matter what. And the final aspect of Moses' perspective in this this lament is found in verse 2 where he says, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You are God. Here Moses is acknowledging confidently a unique attribute of God, that he is eternal. That before anything was ever created, God was. That no matter what goes on right now, God is. And no matter what happens down the road in the future, God forever will be. God is God. End of story. Forever. Amen? Now I want you to notice something about the perspective of this biblical lament that's key to finding the path to joy. Notice it doesn't just involve perspective, it starts with perspective, specifically with God. The first two words, Lord, you. Now see, we need to stop right there, church, because that's exactly where we need to start. With God, our eternal dwelling place, our Lord, our sovereign, everlasting King. Now, I don't know about you, but I often struggle with this. You know, when my diabetes is just being dumb and I'm at, I'm, my wits end for trying to figure it out because it's just there's sometimes no rhyme or reason. When my kids are acting like knuckleheads, whom I love very much. Or when I get news that a close friend or church family are going through tremendous heartbreak anguish because life has hit them out of nowhere and i get sucker punched i don't know about you but i so often want to limit to god with saying why god why me i'm mad i'm tired i'm angry how can this happen to me how can this happen to them It's me, it's me, and what I want to do right off the bat in my lament is I want my lament to God to start with, well, me. Instead of starting with the perspective of what I know to be true of God, his character, and his promises. Church family, when, not if, when you get hit by devastation. When you get hit by disappointment, by grief, by loss, by heartache, you name it, whenever this sin filled, fallen world affects you in such a way, turn to God and before anything else, utter, Lord, you. Lord, you are. Lord, you have been. Lord, you are good, even though things are really bad right now. Lord, you are faithful even though I'm experiencing unfaithfulness in my life. God, you have promised that there will be no more pain. Lord, you meditate on God, his character, his promises. Meditate on his word in your lament to help your perspective focus on our glorious God first. You see, the path to joy involves a perspective, and that perspective starts with God and his word. What we know to be true of him, his character, and his promises. But the path to joy then recognizes a problem, because that's exactly why we go to God to lament. Specifically in this psalm, it recognizes the problem in light of the proper perspective. That God is God from everlasting to everlasting. That God is eternal and we are not. And we find this problem Moses articulates to God in verses 3 through 6. He says, you return man to dust and say, return, O children of man, for a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past we as a watch in the night. You sweep them away as with a flood. They are like a dream. Like grass, it is renewed in the morning. In the morning, it flourishes and is renewed. In the evening, it fades and withers. See, basically, Moses is saying this. He's saying our mortality problem is a problem in light of an everlasting and eternal God. I mean, think about it. Moses is surrounded by death as he writes this psalm of lament. Surrounded. The generation that doubted God's deliverance is dying off as they've been wandering for 40 years. Aaron, Moses' brother, he dies. Miriam, Moses' sister, she dies. Israelites that walk shoulder to shoulder with Moses on the seabed of the Red Sea as it was parted, they're dying. Israelites who complained about God's provision with manna. And then, oh no, that's not exactly what we wanted and hoped for. Or, ah, oh, you brought us out here. You're going you're gonna to kill us off in thirst and he provides water. Those same Israelites that were complaining and being brought out, they're dying. Moses is surrounded by death as he writes this. And he has this perspective of an everlasting God. And he sees and feels... This problem of mortality. That you and I return to dust. That we will pass away. But Moses just doesn't sit and fester in the problem. And complain to God about it. See if all we ever do church family is sit in the problem and complain to God. And never move to the cause of the problem. We will never find the path to joy. We will ask why so much that we begin to lose trust in God. We will begin to focus on the problem so much that we lose sight of the problem solver. We will begin to become more and more bitter, angrier at God because of the problem. Without ever coming to terms with the cause of the problem. Moses could have camped out in that horrible scenario of watching everyone die that he loved, knowing he would die as well without ever getting to the promised land. But he shows us the beauty in biblical lament that, yes, there is a problem to bring before God, but bigger than the problem is the cause of the problem. And so Moses vocalizes the reason behind their mortality problem, the reason behind our Mortality problem in verses 7 through 10. For we are brought to an end by your anger, by your wrath we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all our days are pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are 70 or even by reason of strength 80, yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone. We fly away. These verses are a bit hard to stomach, aren't they? That we are brought to an end by God's wrath and anger. Specifically, though, his his wrath and anger at what? Our iniquity, our sin, our morality problem. When Moses voices that God returns man to dust and that God has set our iniquities before him, he's actually referring back to Genesis 3, which, by the way, he wrote to the fall of Adam and Eve and the correlating judgment on them. Remember where God judges Adam and Eve's sin and immorality, their unfaithfulness and disobedience to him in the garden, and he says that what is now consequences, death and physical separation from him. And this judgment, dear friend, is against us as well that our sin and morality problem are set before God, and as a result, death and separation are now our consequences. And the thing is, is our sinful, selfish, prideful hearts, they want us, they desire for us to think that this felt problem that hurts so bad in our element, this problem that hurts so awful, in this case in moses's case our mortality that it's the bigger problem to cry out to god with the bigger problem to dwell on i mean it sure feels like we should right but actually as we see in moses's lament it's our sin and morality problem that should distress and grieve us even more See, our, our morality and sin problem is bigger and far more pervasive than our mortality problem. I mean, losing a loved one or watching someone we love deal with horrible affliction, it's a real problem, isn't it? And it's a problem we should bring before God, right? The pain caused when a family is torn apart because of divorce, it's excruciating. It's a big deal. It's a problem, right? Right? We should bring it to God, right? That feeling of abandonment and ridicule and disgust, it's the coldest thing to ever feel. And that's a problem. And a problem that should be brought before God. All of these problems, our problems have merit because they cause real pain and anguish, not just in us and others as well. But at the core of all of these problems, dear friend, listen carefully, is our sin problem. See, our morality problem is really what affects everyone and everything. It's what makes this life so hard, what makes this life so short, unbearable, unrelenting at times. Why do I trouble and toil to provide for my family? I don't even like my job. Why do my loved ones pass away too soon? Why is there death? Why is there disease? Why is there cancer? Why am I a jerk sometimes? Why are they jerks sometimes? Why do I struggle with fill in the blank? Why do they struggle with fill in the blank? Why do I get frustrated with my kids or spouse so often? Why do I lose my temper? Why do people say such mean and hateful things? Why do I think such mean and hateful things? We have a mortality problem, church family, because of our morality and sin problem. And the latter is far heavier and graver than the former. But please listen carefully. When we humble ourselves in our lament to God to look past the problem to the cause of the problem, the reason for the problem we experience, we begin to see more of the path to joy. And so with the perspective of the truth of God, his character and his promises, we cry out to him in desperation with the problem. And focus on the cause of that particular problem. And out of the cause of the problem we articulate a plea to our Heavenly Father. Because the path to joy involves a plea. And when you think about a plea this plea, our plea it's birthed out of an urgency to the stated problem and cause of it. It's like Just as a mother pleads for the firefighters to go in and save her child, she's not gonna be flippant and nonchalant about it. She's not gonna say, hey, I know it's an inconvenience, Mr. Firefighter, sir, but when you get a free moment, um, could you go up there and save my kid? No, she is ripping their stuff off, getting them down and yelling and screaming at them because it's an urgent request. Our plea to God is an urgent request birthed out of the problem, the stated problem and cause of it. It's an earnest appeal, and we see this plea that Moses makes in his lament to God in verses 11 and 12. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of what, church? Church. Remember, Moses' plea is birthed out of the problem and its cause. And so Moses is rhetorically asking God, God, who really thinks about death? Who really thinks about its cause? Who really ever considers sin? In this short life, in this sin-filled hard life, who considers this, God? But Moses answers his own rhetorical question. He's stating the reason we don't consider death and sin is because we aren't fearing God. We're not loving God, respecting God, revering God. We're not trusting and obeying God. And as a result, we don't consider our sin problem. But notice carefully what Moses pleads God for to help us to fear God. Verse 12. Teach us to number our days that we may get a what? You're reading the same Bible I am. Heart of wisdom, yes. To teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom or more poignantly, a heart for you, God, and your ways, God. Moses could have pled for death to stop. I mean, that was the immediate problem that drove him to lament but instead he pleads for a heart for God that we may be wise in this short and sin-filled life Michael Wilcox says this he he wrote a commentary on this psalm in reference to verses 11 and 12 and I love this quote it says this the numbering of days is a lesson not in elementary arithmetic but in life-changing theology Teach us not how many days we have lived so far, still less, how many may be left to us, but why it is that our years are so comparatively few. Our years are few because of sin and its ravaging and insatiable spread throughout all creation. And so a heart for God will honor and glorify God in the moment, in the right now. Maybe we may we be wise with the short time we have and live each moment for the eternal. But how in the world do we live each moment for the eternal? How do we do this with the constant demands of life? How do we do this when we're struggling, when we're hurting, when we're just fed up? Man, I wish I could tell you I've mastered this, but I haven't. You want to know why? Because this guy, my sin problem, is just as bad as yours. And when my kids are arguing and, and, and treating each other like absolute garbage, I often fail at stopping and pleading for God to give me a heart of wisdom, a heart for him and his heart for my kids in that moment. I often respond to their fallen condition out of my very own fallen condition, specifically frustration, why? Because I can't fix them. They're broken, you're broken, I'm broken. And when I fail, I can't get that moment back. That right now is gone. But oh, in those sweet moments when I do slow down and I plead for God for his heart for my kids, That right now is not squandered. It's not wasted. And in that moment, God is honored and glorified. I think constant, intentional, strategic times of prayer to God ahead of the situation you struggle with is a great practice. If you know you struggle the moment you set foot in the door of your house, stop and pray before you set foot in the house if you know that you struggle so hard with the people that you interact with on a daily basis at work, before you interact with those people, pray. Plead to God for His heart for them. I think it's as easy as when you're driving home. God, help me be wise with my time as I go home to my spouse and my kids. Maybe it's as you take a break at work. You ask God for his heart for those who've frustrated you. Maybe it's as you have that cup of coffee, that glorious goodness in a cup each morning. Because you know that that day has got a lot on its plate. And you plead for God for his heart for whoever and whatever moment by moment. So to answer how to live for the eternal right now, pray for God to give you the heart for him out of the desperate disgust of sin that's affected whatever situation you find yourself in. So that you can honor and glorify him in the right now. Plead with him to teach you to number your days that you may gain a heart of wisdom, a heart for him and his ways. And because of the cause of the problem that's devastated you, our sin problem urges us to plea for a heart for him. And out of a desire for a heart for God in his ways, we can confidently petition God to do what he has promised. So out of our plea to God, we then turn to petitioning God because the path to joy involves a petition. And Moses makes his peti- petition known in verses 13 through 17 at the, the rest of our psalm. Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us and for as many years as we have seen evil. Let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Guys, I'm gonna be honest, there are like five trillion sermons that can be birthed out of this one psalm. And I know that this part, this petition part's long and beefy. And it's a lot to digest, but there really is a common thread in this petition that Moses makes. There's a common thread in this petition, and it's Moses' confidence in God's compassion and covenantal work. It's Moses' confidence in God's compassion and covenantal work. By saying, return, O Lord, And have pity on your servants. Moses is asking for God to show his compassion to his people once again. Based on his covenant with them. Moses is saying, Lord, return to us just as you return us to dust because of our sin. Please return to us because of your covenant with us. We are your faithful servants. Would you please relent and turn from your wrath? He's humbly acknowledging that as servants, they've been humbled and they're repentant. And as a result, he confidently asks God to relent and turn from his wrath on them and their sin. And petitions God to turn towards his compassion for them and his covenantal work in them and their children. I mean, you can read this confident petition from the lens of, oh Lord. O Lord, return. O Lord, have pity. O Lord, satisfy us in the morning. O Lord, make us glad. O Lord, let your work be shown. O Lord, let your favor be upon us. Lord, establish your work. See, the common thread in this petition is confidence in God's compassion to be shown and for God to do his work, not just for Israel, but for you and I as well. So in this lament of Moses, in this path to joy, we start with the perspective that begins with God. What we know to be true of him, his character, and his promises. And in light of that perspective, we cry out to God with the problem that's wrecked us and devastated us. But we don't just sit in that problem. Because we recognize that the cause of the problem is vastly worse than what initially drove us to lament. Lament that this sin problem you and I have is a big stinking deal. And because it's a big deal, we urgently plead for God for a heart that fears him, a heart that considers our sinful condition, a heart for God in his ways. And with our heart in the proper place, we move to confidently petition God to do what only he can do, to show his compassion, and covenantal work and out of that confident petition we can praise the response of god in jesus christ and here's our final point that the path to joy involves a praise here's where out of our lament we can turn to praise and find joy because of the response of god to our petition. Praise be to God, our Lord, our Savior, our King. He answers this petition. How? Verse 14. Satisfy us in the morning with your what? Say that again. Satisfy us in the morning with your... It's great when we read scripture together. Audibly. It's his steadfast love, church. This is so beautiful because the steadfast love that was asked for in this lament of Moses was and is answered in the person and work of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, amen? Romans 5, for while we were still weak, for while we still mess up, for while we still deal with affliction. Trouble, turmoil, disease, heartache. While we are, were still weak at the right time, who? Died for the ungodly, for us. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still Christ for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we save by him from the wrath of God? God our Father in Jesus Christ showed his steadfast love for us in that while we are still sinners, he died for us. He put death to death. For those who believe, he bore the wrath of God so you and I wouldn't have to. Because we never could. And if he bore the wrath of God, we can confidently take our laments to him and he will turn them to joy because of him and only him. But for those of you today who haven't trusted in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, the time is now, dear friend. If you want to know the answer to the problem that plagues your every waking hour, we'll have a response team down front at the end of service. If you need prayer because you, you just can't see, you can't find, you've forgotten the joy in Christ because this sin filled life has got you doubting the goodness of God, come down front and talk to someone. See, this sin problem we have, this sin problem that we experience day in and day out, was solved by Jesus in life, death, and resurrection. Amen? For those who believe, Sin will be no more. For those who believe, there will be no more lament. No pain, no loss, no confusion, no agony, no sweat, no tears, absolutely no heartache. Because the love of Jesus, his heart for us, has abolished sin and its consequences in eternity. But until, dear, until then, dear friend, be reminded of this. There is hope in our lament. Through our pain and suffering, there is love in our lament. Through our struggle and trials, and there is joy in our lament in this short and sin-filled life. And it's all rooted in the compassion and love of Jesus Christ. May you be satisfied every morning with the steadfast love of God in Christ Jesus that through your lament, you find the path to joy. You revel in the compassion and love for you that is only found in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Holy God, I'm always in awe at your love for a selfish Guy like me, the guy who messes up continually. And God, we come before you now, confessing our sin, confessing our foolishness, confessing our lack of trust. God, we are asking, we are pleading for a heart for you and your ways, God, that we may be the salt and light. God, can you just impact us in such a way, remind us of your goodness and your compassion shown through Jesus Christ in such a way that, God, we are just wrecked with this sin problem. God, in life is hard. And God, we cry out to you, but you are faithful. You are good. You are everlasting. God, help us to humbly confess, God, we have every bit of a part to play in this messed up world. God, thank you. Praise be to your beautiful son, Jesus, for taking that punishment that I deserved, that we deserved. And thank you that through that pain and that agony and your wrath that was put on him, God, that we can experience love, hope and joy. God, thank you for the reminder that you loved us while we are weak, while we are sinners. God, we come to you right now giving you all the glory and honor. And it's through your son's beautiful name we pray.